What is going on, beautiful people of the world? My name is Garrett Wolf, and I am the host of the number one podcast for people who are trying to go from skinny fat to fitness free. I've built my body over the last eight years through trial and error, and in the last three years, I've helped hundreds of online clients shred unwanted fat and embody the best version of themselves. Now, let's jump right into today's show. What is going on, beautiful people of the internet? Welcome back to the Garrett Wolf Podcast. This is the number one show for people who are trying to go from skinny fat to six-pack abs, all without giving up the most enjoyable aspects of their life. If at any moment during this episode you think that I have something valuable to say or you got a takeaway from something I said, then please screenshot my face. Share it to your Instagram stories, tag me at underscore Garrett Wolf, and I will send you a free gift and I will reshare it to my story. Get a little bit of free exposure there. So welcome back, guys, to the Garrett Wolf podcast. And this episode is going to be all about plateaus, specifically how to break through plateaus if you may be um, on a plateau, hitting a plateau, or maybe you have a plateau in the past that you haven't been able to break through, or you have, you know, a strength plateau on like a bench press or a squat, one of those full body lifts that are incredibly stubborn to break through. Or maybe more specifically, you have, excuse me, a fat loss goal that you cannot seem to break through. Maybe you've lost 10 to 15 pounds and now you can't seem to lose any more weight. No matter what you do, very typical sequence. So don't feel alone. Don't feel left out. This definitely happens to a lot of people. So welcome everybody. This is fantastic. We're chilling here with this brand new microphone. I hope you all enjoy the sound. Please let me know if you do. It's definitely a lot of fun to podcast with this microphone because I don't know, it just sounds so good. It sounds so cool. It sounds like a radio person. You guys ever like, I know radio is kind of right, like outdated a little bit. Nobody really listens to radio anymore, but you guys ever heard like the Howard Stern show or something like that on the on the radio or like Sirius XM in between songs like the radio host talking? I just kind of feel like that guy, kind of like an announcer, an official talker, which is very, very cool. I've always wanted to be someone who can express my voice, someone who can relay my message and kind of just talk crystal clear, really cohesive, comprehensible. And um, I just think that's really, really cool. I think it's awesome that I have this podcast platform. And um, really quick, I know we're getting a little bit off topic, which I tend to do in these intros, but um, one barrier, you know, talking about plateaus and things that need to be broken through. Yesterday, I made a podcast all about taking sloppy action or taking messy action. And one of the things when it came to starting this podcast, because um, let's back up a little bit. So in my very first ever coaching program, it's called the Change Lives Academy. They teach you how to become an online fitness coach. And I joined this program uh, about at the end of 2019, maybe the very, very early stages of 2020. It was the beginning of the pandemic. And um, that's when I dropped out of college. That's when I joined the coaching program and decided to start my own online business and become kind of an online entrepreneur slash, slash business owner. And I love it. I wouldn't traded for the world. I absolutely hated college and I absolutely love my life every single day getting to make content, spread my knowledge, spread my wisdom and just learn and educate people. And so going back, one of the things that they teach you inside of the academy, let me take these headphones off uh, there because it looks kind of weird. One of the things that they teach you in the academy 
is to go live um, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, and while you're going live, you should make a podcast, record yourself doing the podcast, and then actually do the podcast physically live. And going live was always very, very scary for me because I'm someone who struggles a lot with social anxiety when talking to people. Um, I get really, really anxious and I start overthinking. I start falling victim to analysis paralysis. I start getting all in my head about what are they going to think about this? What are they going to think about that? Am I going to stumble over my words? Am I going to say something stupid? Am I going to say something that's not true? Someone's going to clown me. Someone's going to figure me out, you know, kind of break my illusion, if you will. I'm not even trying to cast an illusion, but someone's going to come around and call me a fraud, call me a scam artist and shit like that. And that you know, we're talking about breaking barriers and, you know, breaking through plateaus. And that was one of the biggest struggles because now I've been into this online coaching game for almost three years. And I am just now building up the confidence to jump on a podcast and record myself live. And it's improving my social skills, my communication skills, my speaking skills, my recording skills, my production skills. It is incredibly helpful. And I just wanted to kind of let you guys know before diving into the fitness plateaus that this kind of represents all aspects of life, breaking through barriers, breaking through plateaus. And going back to the podcast that I made yesterday, all about sloppy action, that's one of the best ways to break through a plateau is to stop thinking about it, stop getting caught in analysis paralysis, just kind of do what you think you need to do and break through that barrier. And if you don't break through that barrier, identify something else that you can do um, and just do that. Take sloppy action over and over and over again until you finally break through that barrier. And that's just something that um, kind of represents my life in a whole. When it comes to being an entrepreneur and being a business owner, being an online coach, you have to take a whole bunch of sloppy action. Try to figure out the mess and you know clean up the mess and fix it all later. You're not really going to be able to know everything. And this is true for all aspects of life, right? You're not going to be able to know everything. You won't know every single outcome. You won't know when you know, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Life throws curveballs at you that you never, ever see coming. And so the best way to go about it is just by taking messy action. And so that's exactly what I did when it came to this podcast. I had a camera, I had a microphone. I was like, you know what? I know it, it let's, let's go back a little bit. So it was about five 30 on like a Tuesday night. It's like five 30 on a Tuesday night. I had just gone through my entire work day. I posted two times on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube shorts. I made a YouTube long form vlog content uh, video. I sent out a bunch of DMs, replied to all my DMs, replied to all the comments, sent out some emails, went on my coaching calls, went on my learning webinar calls. Um, and I just had nothing else to do. It was about 530. I start the workday at about 10 a.m. So I had been going for you know, about seven hours, give or take. Sometimes I wake up at eight, nine and just kind of dive into my work from there. But um. So yeah, it was about 5.30 on a Tuesday and I had done all my work for that day. And I was like, damn, man, like I, I want to do more. You know, I know I can do more. I'm still up. I'm still energized. I'm still hype. I want to do every single thing that I possibly can to spread my voice, spread my knowledge, spread my wisdom, spread my credibility, do every single thing possible that I can. And so I was like, what am I not doing? Well, the only thing that I'm not doing is podcasting. And I'm terrified of podcasting. I'm terrified of long form communication because I have this social anxiety. I'm not good at, you know, speaking my um, thoughts into existence. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. All these excuses, analysis, paralysis, analysis, paralysis, analysis, paralysis, right? 
try saying that three times fast. I just tried that for the first time. That was kind of weird. Um, and I was just overthinking it, right? All these excuses. And I talked about it in my podcast yesterday that all these excuses are 100% valid, right? It's not like these excuses aren't true. These are true. I have struggled with social anxiety my entire life. I am theoretically in my mind, not very good at relaying my thoughts in my head in a very communicative and very applicable, very understanding manner. People find it hard to understand me, find it hard to understand my points and understand what exactly it is that I'm saying. But then you start thinking about it and you think, well, you know, how do you get better at things? How do you improve at things? How do you get better at um, relaying your knowledge? How do you get better at being more communicable, communicatable? How would you say that? How would you get better at communicating? That's how you would say it. See, this is what I mean. (laughs) How do you get better at communicating? Well, you have to communicate more. That's how you get better at things. And you get exponentially better at things the first few times you do them. So now uh, we're on episode 14 here of the podcast. I've been going for two weeks straight. And I've already seen exponential increase, exponential progress in the way that I can relay my information in the amount of ums that I'm saying, the amount of us that I say, the amount of thinking, processing time and overanalyzation of all things slowly lowers and lowers and lowers, right? And now instead of saying um, instead of saying uh, I take a second, I pause, I, I breathe, I think. You don't have to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and 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 fill the noise fill the blur you know quiet noise is fine for one to three seconds it's absolutely okay it would be weird if I stopped talking and thought for like 10 20 seconds but even so you know it doesn't it doesn't mean anything by it it doesn't mean I'm lagging it doesn't mean I'm slow it doesn't mean anything it just means I'm thinking that's all it is you, there's no need to overanalyze or overthink any of these things and you're going to get so much better at doing the thing if you just do the thing there is nothing that will make you better at doing something than literally doing the thing over and over and over again and so we're talking about breaking barriers breaking through plateaus i think it's just super fucking exciting that I have this podcast now. I really, really enjoy coming on here and talking to you guys um, one-on-one, literally just talking to the camera, making a long-form video of just relaying my knowledge, communicating, getting better at talking, because it's not only going to serve me in the podcasting world, it's going to serve me in all facets of life, similar to how a fitness breakthrough could serve you in all facets of life. So I thought that was just really cool, and I really wanted to share that with you guys, so Um, thank you for allowing me to share that. That was something that's just really cool. I'm breaking through these barriers in my life. One barrier that I can't exactly break through yet. Um, I'm planning to break through it today with taking sloppy action is the whole going live on Instagram at the same time, uh, as doing the podcast. I'm a little bit worried that, you know, I'll go live and I guess Honestly, let's just be 100% transparent. I don't need to lie. I don't need to make shit up. I'll be 100% honest. Me being a fitness account, right? Um, a 21-year-old online fitness coach, I post a lot of shirtless videos, right? I post a lot of shirtless videos of me flexing, maybe being um, a little bit seductive, even though I'm not, I'm not trying to be seductive. I'm actually like the least seductive person of all time. I have no idea how to be sexy or how to be uh, how to, you know, turn people on or anything like that. That is not hundred percent, not what the fuck I'm going for. That's not what I represent at all, but I do have to post shirtless videos and things on the internet all the time. 
And so this brings a large gay crowd to my profile. Let's just be straight up. I mean, I'm not being derogatory or anything. I'm saying there's a large population of gay profiles, gay people coming to my account and commenting on all my shit. And that's fine. It's the internet. It's a free world. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Number one, side note, this is a little sidebar conversation. I finally understand what girls mean when they say that they hate catcalling. And I would like to formally apologize to all girls that I have catcalled in the past and um, all feminists that I argue with about how catcalling is compliments because I understand now. Um, I didn't understand. And if you're a straight man out there who's never been bombarded by gay comments, then you probably don't understand as well. And I don't blame you and I don't hate you, but I am here to let you know from my life experience that getting catcalled by a bunch of men is disgusting. It, it, it makes you feel like an object. It makes you feel objectified. It makes you feel like they want to use you. It puts all these disgusting images in your head and it's just not good, dude. So when you're trying to seduce a girl, don't, you know, don't catcall her. Don't, don't do any of that. Seduction is, seduction is more of a sleek, sly process. You don't just go up to someone and you're like, yo, you're hot as fuck. I want to fucking rail the shit out of you, right? I want to put you up against the wall and show you the business, right? That is just vile. That's disgusting. When you say that to a stranger, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? That is gross. Even something as like, as seemingly innocent as, you know, you're so hot, you know, those, those I don't know, commenting on like her sexual or like you're so hot, you know, nice tits and you got a great ass like that. You don't want to do any of that. You want to compliment her on something completely non-sexual, something that wouldn't even spark a sexual thought in her, in her head, right? Like, even complimenting on her physical characteristics like her eyes or her smile is just a no-go because she knows that you're just trying to get in right she knows you're just trying to get in and i know from being catcalled from these gay men that um that they're just they're trying to get in and it's disgusting and i don't like that at all and i can see how girls would not like that at all and so what you need to do in my opinion is you need to compliment her on something materialistic because that has nothing to do with sex that barely has anything to do with her and typically when people are talking about materialistic things you think they're like shallow or whatever people think like oh if i have a louis bag people are gonna think i'm shallow and i'm not really shallow i just like the louis bag so Say she has some cool shoes on. You go up to her, stole this one right from Drake and Josh, right, guys? I don't know who watched that in the past, but you walk up to her. You're like, yo, I really, really like your shoes. You know, I just think they're super cool. And she says, oh, like, thank you. And then, you know, you can either lead into a conversation or you can walk away from there. But whatever you do, don't say anything sexual or don't try to sexualize her. Don't sexualize yourself in any way. Don't even mention sex whatsoever. It's just going to it's gonna backfire. It's not going to help you out. It's not going to be something that you want to do but anyway so i fully understand the cat calling thing and i'm very sorry women i will never i won't cat call again if i'm trying to be seductive i'll uh i'll be a lot more sleek a lot more sly try to make you fall in love with me like prince charming right but um so anyway back to the original point of me being afraid of going live on instagram while doing these podcasts is I fear that these gay men will come into my comments and start cat calling me man i'm really scared you know like that they're going to come in and then all the people that I used to go to school with and shit are going to see these gay men catcalling me and they're going to be like, dude, like, you know, great that you're an online fitness coach, but you got all these gay men catcalling you in your comments and you're just, you're kind of just, you know, a piece of meat, kind of just a piece of meat. And, um, I just don't like that. I don't like that. But here's the thing, all these excuses, right? Again, going back to the original point of breaking through barriers, all these excuses are 100% valid. So am I going to allow the validity of the excuses to stop me from taking action or am I going to take action and clean up the mess later? 
wouldn't I rather take action and clean up the mess later? I 100% think I would rather take action, take messy action and clean up the mess later. So later today, I'm going to break through this fucking barrier by taking sloppy action. I'm going to go live in my car before going into the gym. I'm going to do a nice little live video of me getting ready for the gym, taking pre-workout, and I'm going to see, I'm going to identify if these if these gay men or gay accounts or weird accounts, whatever you want to say, comes into my comments and starts talking shit. And if they do, I'm going to block their ass right away. I'm going to clean up the mess later. I'm going to take sloppy action and clean up the mess later. I'm going to go live in my car. And if people come in and start chatting shit, I'm going to block the fuck out of them. And eventually it might take a week. It might take two weeks. It might take a month, but eventually I'll file through all these accounts that are catcalling and I'll block the fuck out of all of them. And then it won't be a problem anymore. So this is just a, just a great example of taking sloppy action and cleaning up the mess later. So that's what I plan to do. Hold me to that. Um, if I don't do that, please get on my ass. Message me on Instagram. But now that I said it live in front of the entire world, I am definitely going to do it. So there seems to be nothing that will be able to stop me now. Excuse me while I take a sip of my white monster that I'm incredibly addicted to. I really need to switch this white monster to like some black coffee. Because it must be starting to take a toll on me. I've been drinking one white monster every morning for probably the past 45 days or something like that. Can you blame me? Waking up at like 9 a.m., 8, 9 a.m., right to work. I mean, come on. How are you going to turn that brain on without a monster and some L-theanine, right? And some alpha-GPC. That's the absolute brain stack concoction. Anyway, getting back to the actual topic of this podcast, which... I just went on a little tangent about my life, so I appreciate you guys that listen to me that care um, about not just my fitness knowledge, but kind of my ins and outs experiences of my life itself. So I would like to thank you guys for listening to me. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving me a place to speak my mind and speak my piece. But today we're talking about breaking through plateaus. Breaking through plateaus. So one of the main... Uh, reasons that you're in a plateau in my experience. Let me, let me dial back a little bit. So in my experience, what do I mean by when I say in my experience, let me dial back. I'm getting, I'm getting better at this whole storytelling thing, right? I'm going to dial back a little bit, start at the beginning. So I myself was on a disgusting bench press plateau stuck at 275 pounds bench press for a one rep max for three years of my life. I was stuck on 275 for three years of my life. So basically, the first two years of my lift, lifting career, I started out, just like everyone else, way at the bottom of the barrel. I believe I started with probably fives on each side of the bench, right? Slowly building my way up, progressively overloading, so adding five pounds to each side, uh, you know, two and a half or five pounds to each side every single week, progressive overloading, loving the newbie gains. The newbie gains were absolutely terrific. They were fantastic. But then, um, you know, I, I, I was adding 10 pounds a week, 10 pounds a week, 10 pounds a week. Then it went down to five, right? Five pounds a week, five pounds a week for the first two years. And I got all the way up to 275 pound bench in two years, which is pretty fucking good. It's pretty fantastic. I was really, really happy with that. I was stoked. Um, so 275 in two years. Then I decided, obviously, um, being the overachiever that I am, that I wanted to go for 315. I still do. I still haven't hit it. Um, but the story continues. I wanted to go for 315. So I decided that I was going to 
bench press 315. What does that entail? You need to go on a bulk. So you need to up your protein. You need to have at least one gram per pound of body weight. You need to be in a caloric surplus. So you need to be eating more calories, consuming more calories than you burn on a day-to-day basis. So you need to be about 200 to 500 calories above your maintenance. So that's exactly what I did. And around this time, I was going to college. Um, Actually, a little bit before that, I was still trying to hit a 315 bench, but it is pretty wishy-washy in that area because I was cutting, bulking, cutting, bulking, you know, summer, winter, kind of going through the phases, the early phases of a lifter's career. I didn't really exactly know how to go about cutting and bulking in a more strategic manner. All I knew was bulking, you know, pack on size, cutting, get shredded. But there are very intricate ins and outs of those processes that you can kind of maximize and minimize in order to, you know, maximize muscle retention and also maximize fat loss while minimizing the damage to your body, the damage to your metabolism, the damage to your CNS and all these intricate, important things that are beyond the scope of this breaking through plateau podcast here. But anyway, so Let's dial it back to when I was going to college. I decided I was going to go on a fucking hyper bulk. I was going to eat 4,000 calories a day, and I was going to bench press twice a week, two to three times a week. I experimented with three, but it turned out to be too much. Surprise, surprise, right? Two to three times a week, mostly two, um, with a five-by-five routine. So basically five sets, five reps of the bench press being the first movement of every single workout. Not every single workout, the push workouts, obviously, right? And I was going to go, the plan was to go from 275 bench to 315 bench. So this was the plan. This was the goal. This is what we were going for. Now, when I tell you, I was dialed with my protein and my calories. I was dialed, okay? I was eating 4,000 calories every single day without fail. I tracked it all on my fitness pal, tracked all the numbers. I was eating a gram per pound of protein every single day or maybe even more, maybe even 1.1, 1.2, 1.3 grams of protein per pound of body weight. I was drinking my protein shakes. I can literally remember me and my friend, me and one of my roommates, we both decided to do this. So he was going on a 4K calorie diet too. So we would eat together in the dining hall and stuff and one of our main strategies to for eating 4,000 calories a day, because it is a lot. 4,000 calories is a lot of calories to eat in a day for a normal person. We decided to drink cups and cups and cups and cups of whole milk and chocolate milk. Literally like 6 to 12 cups. Full cups. So it's really like 2 cups. Like 16 fluid ounces. Like kitchen cups of chocolate milk and whole milk. Whole milk obviously is way more calorically dense. But if you drink cups and cups and cups of whole milk strictly, you're going to be in for a bad fucking time, right? You're going to get a lot of air in your stomach, a lot of bloating. You're going to be uncomfortable as fuck, not to mention the possibility for kidney stones if you do that over and over and over again. So we would mix it up with whole milk and chocolate milk, back to back to back, boom, boom, down the hatch, lunch, dinner. And we would take olive oil shots. Olive oil is incredibly calorically dense. One of the most calorically dense foods on the planet that I've ran into, at least. If you drink like a little fucking, like a little thing of olive oil, like two tablespoons, like a shot, not not even a shot, like an eighth of a shot, bro, of olive oil, like two tablespoons. It's like, I can't remember exactly how many calories, but it is flabbergasting. It's like 300 to 500 calories. It is a lot for just a little bit of olive oil. 
So we would, tr- dude, we would drink shots and shots and shots of olive oil. It is disgusting, mind you. The olive oil burps that you get after drinking olive oil are fucking vile. They are vile. They are so gross. It makes you want to puke on sight. Just thinking about those olive oil burps make me want to throw the fuck up. It is so gross. Try it. Let, try it if you don't believe me. Drinking a raw egg is 300 million times easier than drinking a shot of olive oil. Olive oil is vile. It is disgusting to drink by itself. Anyway, I can remember us walking back from my uh, from the dining hall after taking olive oil shots, eating a shit ton of pasta, eating some stir fry, and then drinking six to ten cups of chocolate milk. We would literally be walking back to our dorm with our hands on our stomachs. I remember we would have to stop because it was a it was about three hundred feet of a walk back to our dorm. It was like you know you could see it from the dining hall, but it was a decent walk, right? It was a pretty decent walk. So we would be walking back, hands on our stomach. We would have to take stops, take breaks to sit down, or else we would. Literally be in fear of puking. Like it was almost coming up, almost coming up. So the point of the story is we couldn't eat anymore. Like we ate to the brim. We stuffed our stomachs full and we trained hard as fuck six times a week in the gym every single day, weeks on end of training, five by five, heavy lifting in the gym, bench pressing every single push day, first exercise, going strong, five by fives, right? progressive overload doing everything we know how everything we can and what happened we weren't making progress we weren't making any fucking progress man and it was heartbreaking it's like dude you go through all this trial and tribulation you try so hard you do everything you know how everything you can and you're just not making progress why why were we not making progress and it's because There's really three main keys when it comes to building muscle, muscle building adaptation, muscle building stimulus. That's the five by five check caloric surplus, which has to do with protein intake and eating more calories than you're burning throughout the day. Check. Number three is recovery. Recovery entails not only being in a caloric surplus and having enough protein, but getting enough water and enough sleep throughout the entire bulk. And that was the key that we were missing. We were not getting enough sleep and we were certainly not getting enough water because it was our freshman year of college and admittedly we were partying and drinking probably three times a week. Um, And that was it. Three times a week of, of drinking and you know not getting enough water and and just messing up our sleep for three times a week was enough to override our training stimulus and our caloric surplus for recovery so when i talk about the three keys of recovery it really is not as simple as just lifting and eating more that is a fucking lie you can eat as much as you possibly can and lift and train as hard as you fucking possibly can. And if you don't have recovery dialed in, you are going to be lost. You are not going to be making any progress. I promise you that that's what happened to me. Maybe you can. People are different, right? Everybody's different. It's possible that you can make progress this way, but I certainly could not. And my roommate, he couldn't either. So we're talking about breaking through plateaus, right? You need to check on your variables, right? We talk about analysis paralysis, breaking through barriers, taking sloppy action. What is it that you're not doing 
out of the three keys, do you, so if you're trying to build muscle, we're talking about a muscle building plateau. Do you have an ample muscle building stimulus? Are you training three to six times a week, progressively overloading on the main lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift? Do you have enough calories being consumed on a day-to-day basis? Are you in a caloric surplus and are you eating one gram of protein per pound of body weight? Number three, are you recovering? Are you sleeping seven to nine hours a day? Are you drinking enough water and are you not doing an ample amount of drugs and alcohol? If you have those three dialed in, you should be making progress. However, there's one caveat. There's one caveat because I've also been in a bench press plateau before going to college and I couldn't break through um, then either when I wasn't partying and everything was kind of dialed in. Now, I wasn't able to make progress there because I was simply not switching up the stimulus. So my problem wasn't the recovery or the caloric surplus. My problem at that time was I wasn't getting an ample muscle building stimulus. And this was because I had been training a 5x5 on my bench for years. All I did was a 5x5. A 5x5 was what I did religiously to try to build my bench press. And it's only going to work for so long, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's only going to work you know, for as long as it works. You're only going to be able to progressively overload a 5x5 for so long until your body's like, yo, all right, we don't have 5x5 enough. You have to switch up the rep ranges. You have to go down to three reps. You have to go up to eight reps, even up to 10, 12, 15, even up to 20 reps. I never really go that high, but you can. It works for some people. And so that you need to dial in. So again, out of these three things, if you're at a muscle building plateau, dial in these three things and you should be fine. Caloric surplus, all right, muscle building stimulus and recovery. That is for a muscle building plateau. What about a fat loss plateau? What if you lost 10 to 15 pounds and you need to lose 25 to 30 pounds, but you can't seem to lose any more weight no matter what you do? This is a bit more of a complex issue. There are many variables that could be the reason why you aren't able to break through, but there is one that is the main reason, and there is one that I I would, you know, I bet money most of the time that if you tweak this, if you go through this cycle, you will be able to break through a weight loss barrier. So the typical sequence, I always talk about this statistic, is that 80% of dieters regain the weight that they lost six months to a year down the line, right? So the reason that this is, is because I was just on a call, actually, on a Zoom call with one of my potential clients, and he was telling me how he was in a weight loss plateau, and he wanted to lose more weight, and he just couldn't, no matter what he tried, he tried dieting, he tried working out harder, he tried... I just hit the maximum recording time on my camera, so I, uh, I had to restart it, but anyway... Where was I? I was saying, so I was just on a Zoom call with a potential client and he was telling me how he had lost, you know, 10 to 15 pounds, just like the example I was saying. And he was trying to, you know, cut down another 10 to 15 pounds to lose a total of 25 to 30 pounds. And he just couldn't do it no matter what he would do. He would do all this bullshit like, you know, lowering his calories more and more, hitting the gym harder and harder, doing hours of grueling cardio, nothing to show for it. No fat loss, nothing like that. And, you know, this goes back to the statistic, as I was saying, that 80% of dieters regain the weight that they lost six months to a year down the line. So I was just explaining this exact same thing to him. A typical sequence when someone wants to lose fat is you're 
maintenance calories, the calories that you're burning on a day-to-day basis, let's just say it's 2,000. Let's make up a number. It's 2,000. If you want to cut, you're going to have to eat 1,800 calories a day to cut. This is okay. It's pretty low, but this is okay. You can kind of sustain that. 1,800, that's fine. You're going to lose two to four pounds. Great. But now your metabolism is going to readjust because your body will adapt to any stimulus that it's given. It's an adaptation machine, right? So it's starving. It'll adjust to the starvation. So it's going to pare down your metabolism and get more efficient at the calories it's being given. So now your metabolism only burns 1,800 calories a day. All of a sudden, you're not losing any weight again. Uh Uh-oh. Now you have to lower your calories to 1,600. And you might be able to lose another two to four pounds. Great. 1,600. Same thing happens. Your body adapts. Your body pairs down some muscle. You lose a little bit of muscle mass. It gets more efficient at using the calories that it has. And now your body burns 1,600 calories a day. Uh Uh-oh. We're getting into the fucking red zone now, boys and girls. Now you have to go down to 1,400 and then 1,200 and then 1,000. And now you have to eat 1,000 calories a day if you want to sustain the weight that you're currently at that you got to from losing 30 pounds. Great. You lost the 30 pounds. Uh Uh-oh. Now you have to eat 1,000 calories every single day if you want to sustain that newly found weight. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to eat 1,000 calories a day. It's not worth it to be in shape if you have to eat 1,000 calories a day for the rest of your life. That is a miserable existence. Nobody wants to do that. That is terrible. So what do you do? It comes back, guys. It comes back to your body's an adaptation machine. You have to throw curveballs at it. You have to confuse, not confuse it. I don't want to be one of those confuse the muscle guys, right? But you you need a different stimulus. Your body needs a different stimulus. It's going to adapt to that same stimulus over and over and over again. You need to increase your metabolism. So you need to go in a mini bulk, like a two to four week mini bulk to increase and fix your metabolism So you're not just burning 2,000 calories, you add on some muscle, and now your body's burning 2,200 calories, right? Then you can cut for two weeks, nice little aggressive cut, cut by 200 calories, 2,000 calories a day is what, um, so your body's burning 2,200, you're going to eat 2,000 calories a day. You're going to be able to lose some of that fat. You're going to be able to lose like three to five pounds on a two-week cut. And then your metabolism will readjust. We're talking about this adaptation. Your metabolism readjusts, and now you're burning 2,000 calories a day again. But you have that extra muscle still. You have that extra muscle still, but you lost a little bit of fat. So we effectively turned that fat into muscle. Even though I know your body can't turn fat into muscle, we effectively took that fat and turned it into muscle. Then you run back to the beginning, and you do it again. You bulk. Bulk back up to 2200 calories now your metabolism's burning that again and you have even more muscle so now you might be burning 2300 calories right now you can cut your calories to 2100 for another two to four weeks and you can do another mini cut and you can cut lose that fat again another three to five pounds boom now you're at 2100 calories a day you bulk again now you can go all the way up to 24 now you're going up the staircase instead of down the staircase you see how that would be so much easier to sustain than doing this aggressive cut bullshit down and down and down over and over and over again i need to lose weight i need to diet i need to hammer myself in the gym 
you end up kind of spinning your wheels on a on a on a like a kind of a mouse on a on a wheel, just doing the same shit over and over and over and over again until you're eventually at a point of unsustainability where you can't sustain the calories that you went down to for a long enough period of time for it to even matter. But if you do this instead, you go on the bulking plan first, increase your metabolism, then do an aggressive cut and continue throwing curveballs at your body. Boom, cut, boom, bulk, boom, cut, boom, bulk. But caveat. See, so if you do that, you're on an uphill battle or excuse me, you're you're going up the staircase, right? Instead of going down the staircase into unsustainability. There's a caveat here, though. What you don't want to do is do a super hyper aggressive bulk, 4,000 calories, hyper aggressive super cut, 1,600 calories. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about tweaking your diet within like a 500 to 600 calorie range, right? So like 1,800 to 2,400 calories a day. You don't want to go through that or, or, or go past that. So say on a cut, if you burn like 2,100 calories, you would not want to go down to 1,500, 1,400 calories for a cut. And you would not want to go up to 4,000 calories for a bulk. This is a terrible idea. You're just going to pack on fat. You're going to pack on extra fat and going on an aggressive cut like that. You're just going to lose extra muscle. When it comes to this type of business, the slower, the better. Greg Doucette says it best, harder than last time, the slower, the progress, the better. That is 100% true because then we minimize muscle loss, we maximize fat loss, and we kind of maximize muscle gain and minimize CNS damage. So that's pretty much exactly what we're going for. And that, my friends, is a step-by-step sequence on how you can break through your plateau, whether it's a muscle-building plateau or a weight loss, fat loss plateau. That's how you want to do it. The slower, the better. Go through these sequences, throwing curveballs at your body, going through little mini bulks, mini cuts is really going to be the game changer for you. Slowing the progress down, not trying to make progress overnight, but focusing on getting 1% better every single day, not overwhelming your body with hours of grueling cardio, not overwhelming your body with drastic caloric deficits, not overwhelming your body with 4,000 calories a day, 10 glasses of chocolate milk, and fucking four tablespoons of olive oil disgusting no need to do all that that is all incredibly extreme and we are not about going about it on an extreme um, scale we're, we're about getting one percent better every single day we're about making micro, micro progress so that eventually you know three to five years down the line you're going to wake up in the body of your dreams which is exactly what happened to me and which is exactly what i'm trying to get happen to all of you beautiful people out there so Guys, that brings us to the end of this podcast. If at any point during this podcast you found something that I had to say valuable or you took a golden nugget out of here that you can implement into your real life, please screenshot my face, share it to your Instagram stories, tag me at underscore Garrett Wolf, and I'll reshare that shit to my story and send you a free gift. Other than that, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in today, and I will see you all in the next episode. Peace, peace. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hopefully you got some value. If you did get value and you want to learn a little bit more about how you can go from skinny fat to fitness freak, just head over to my Instagram at underscore Garrett Wolf and DM me the word muscles and I'll reach out to you and see if I can help. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in today and I will see you all in the next episode. Peace, peace.